Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Kristen Stoneking, the senior pastor here. And I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor. Our mission here is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Welcome to Epworth United Methodist Church this morning. We are so glad you are joining us in this online broadcast. I know that we have uh, folks who are tuning in, not just in California, but also in Kansas City, Germany. We, are, we may not be uh, here present with each other in body, but we are certainly connected through the spirit and through the wonders of technology. We'll now have uh, our scripture reading from Galatians. Hi, I'm Judy Cayo, and I'm reading from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 and 26 through 29. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Thanks be to God. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, for those of you who came to the Ash Wednesday service, you were greeted with a transformed sanctuary individual candles set on the altar rail. So imagine, imagine the altar rail set with 40 candles representing the 40 days of Lent. There were vases of bare branches on either side uh, opening up the steps here to the chancel. 
And there was a table with a simple cloth in the middle of the sanctuary with a bowl of sand and two thick pillars in the middle. All of this was meant to evoke the spare times of life, the impermanence of the flower and the ever-present light of God. And on the sides of the sanctuary, you were greeted with the wonderful photographic portraits that are still up and you see here. These portraits, based on Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper, which is a 15th century painting considered to be one of the most recognizable works of art in all of the Western world. These portraits were done last Lent as part of a small group led by Leroy Howard. Each person in the group spent time considering the feelings, the life, and the role of the disciples around the table. And in this intense study of an other, they embodied that person. Whether the person they embodied was a betrayer or a lover of Jesus, they considered his story, his feelings, particularly his feelings at that moment, his being. Then they moved to the next disciple at the table and repeated the process. One thing I love about this project in particular is that it places women clearly at the table. There are theories that the figure to the right of Jesus in da Vinci's painting is actually Mary Magdalene, and the original painting was retouched because having a woman at the table was too scandalous, especially this woman. And that, we, and that here she was, seated at the place of honor. But history has erased what might have been there, retouching and interpreting the painting. And the figure to the right of Jesus is now commonly understood to be John, also known as the beloved disciple. Whatever that history may be, in these tableaus, the women are present. The other piece I love so much about this project is that it is a practice in empathy. When we are all back in the sanctuary, I invite you to spend some time looking at these portraits. Take a moment to study the different expressions and positions held by your fellow Epworthians in these images. The members of the group took several weeks to study what we know historically and biblically about each person at the table. Then they studied the faces, the positions of the bodies and the hands. Then one by one, they took on the role of each disciple and Jesus himself. As I was preparing for today, I asked Christina Kellogg, who was part of the group, to describe the experience. I expected that she might describe how difficult and painful it was. But instead, she said it was extremely moving and actually described it as transcending the pain, latent in the scene, through presence and empathy. She said, the moment we were depicting was right after the moment Jesus has said, one of you will betray me. So we were all in shock. But then the preparation we did on who each person really was 
And the focus that we brought to the moment, putting our hands in the position of the person in the painting, inclining our heads in a certain way, it brought us uniquely into that moment in a transcendent way. The beauty of the portrait of the Last Supper is that it makes real the truth of the incarnation of God. Here in the center of the tableau is Jesus, who is co-equal and co-eternal with God, and around the table are regular humans like you and me, receiving the body and blood of Christ, receiving the gift of being the ongoing incarnation of God through this gift. This is the good news that converted Paul, and it's the story of generosity and love and empathy that has made Christian faith real for, for billions in millennia since. But in our scripture for today, the early church in Galatia has departed from this mystically transcendent moment depicted in the Lord's Supper and has sunk into anxiety and self-focus. In today's selection, Paul begins with vehemence. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, let me just pause here to say, I don't like the word bewitched, especially in this context. I think it has misogynistic undertones, and I think it perpetuates negative stereotypes of women. And so I wondered about this word. The Greek word here translated as bewitched is ebaskinen. It's a rare word in the New Testament used only once. In fact, it's in this very instance in Galatians. And it turns out that bewitched really isn't the best translation. The word is better translated as misled or diverted Paul is charging the Galatians with having been misled from truth by that which often diverts us from truth, something that is close to the truth, but which is not exactly the truth, something that has some truth in it, but distorts and diminishes. Now let's think about the time that the Galatians were in. The Galatians have stepped into an entirely new way of being, becoming a church in response to the good news that Paul has shared with them. I'm sure it was exciting at first, that sense of solidarity, of being part of a new movement, the freedom that the radical equality of Paul's message brought. Think about a time that you felt a sense of life, of possibility, of freedom, and of solidarity. Maybe it was when you showed up at one of the vigils at the West County Detention Center to demand justice for our migrant siblings, singing as loudly as you could so they would know you were there and that you cared. Or maybe it was a time of falling in love, of being able to see yourself with the value and the worth which your new beloved saw you. This sense of possibility and hope and freedom, even in the face of injustice, reflects what the Galatians were likely feeling as they heard the good news from Paul. But then Paul left. 
And just like the letdown that can happen after leaving a rally or a group of people acting in solidarity or the letdown as a new relationship settles into its habits, the letdown of Paul's departure has left them searching. And they've fallen into some old grooves, some old thinking, and some new anxieties. They've traded freedom and the freedom of transcending the labels that are put on people for something else, something more constricting. They are falling back into the comfort of rules and the false truths of stereotypes. And Paul says to them, don't be diverted. Don't be misled. Don't let something that looks like the truth masquerade as the truth. Well, in the last few weeks, my guess is that you, like me, have spent a lot of time online and in conversation with friends trying to understand the truth of coronavirus and what is a reasonable and informed response. What is a responsible response? What is a just response? There's a lot of information out there. Some of it corroborates other information, and some of it contradicts it. There are some new rules that we are living by. And while we heed what we must for the sake of all, let us not forget the words of Paul who reminded the Galatians and reminds us that we all have a new call through the Spirit. It is that new call that informs our response to this coronavirus crisis. Our response must not just be a following of rules, but a holistic response that fully takes into account the well-being of all persons. In our response to coronavirus here at Epworth, we've set up three teams. These teams are taking guidance from the general rules of United Methodism, do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. The first team has been working for the last two plus weeks to take precautions, changing the way we do communion, changing the way we pass the peace, changing other ways that we engage in our common life. And this is the team that discerned that we need to move online for worship for the next uh, three weeks through the end of March. We'll continue to work with the best available information, and I'm so grateful for the professional expertise and wisdom and service that exists on this team. Our Do All, All the Good You Can team is asking what can we do in our community and for our community to respond to needs that arise or intensify because of this crisis. We already know that Berkeley Food Network needs volunteers. Others not connected may need food delivered. People might quite literally be out of toilet paper. Others may be feeling isolated and alone. And a concert from the steps of Epworth carrying music through the semi-deserted streets of Berkeley and broadcast through Facebook Live could do a world of good. And finally, our Stay in Love with God team. This team will work to reach out and pray with people. 
If you have a, a need, a pastoral care need, if you need prayer, contact one of our pastors, contact our office, send us a message through Facebook, and you will get a response. Quarantine and limited travel offers new opportunity for study. Let's think about using the considerable music resources in the congregation for spiritual healing and transcendence and use this time to go even deeper. It is my fervent hope that the lion's share of attention and energy Epworth will spend on this crisis will be towards empathy. What do others need? How is this person or that group faring? What do we have to offer to alleviate that suffering and connect others who may feel like they are unmoored and have lost God to God? Just as the participants in the Last Supper project learned, empathy is the way to transcend pain. Empathy takes the focus off ourselves and our own needs and anxieties and moves our focus to the needs and feelings of others. And this leads us into service, into love, and into peace. We know this is true. It is the wisdom of our tradition. Acting in empathy is acting in faith. May it be so. Amen. Hurricanes will come Earthquakes break the walls Oceans rise Empires
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Brian Adkins, Associate Pastor here. We'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins Street at the corner of Napa and Hopkins. And I'm Senior Pastor Kristen Stoneking. If you connect to our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Faster than a ship Further than a bomb See the glowing green Send love throughout the throng